This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to another episode of AMI Audio Live's coverage of the 2020 Zero Project Conference. My name is Andy Frank. The Zero Project, an initiative of the Essel Foundation, focuses on the rights of persons with disabilities globally. It provides a platform where the most innovative and effective solutions to problems facing persons with disabilities are shared. Its sole objective is to assist in creating a world without barriers, zero barriers, based on the articles of the United Nations Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. Zero Project's annual conference, held at the UN building in Vienna, celebrates these solutions with awards. You can learn more about Zero Project at zeroproject.org. The theme of the 2020 conference was education, and today you'll meet Betsy Bowman, the CEO at Benetech, which is based in Palo Alto, California. In 2001, Benetech, a U.S. nonprofit organization supporting people with disabilities through software, launched Bookshare, a global accessible virtual library for people with print disabilities. Available nationwide in the U.S. and 87 other countries, including Canada, Bookshare provides books and printed materials in five accessible formats, such as electronic Braille and daisy-synchronized text with audio, at a lower cost than traditional methods. Betsy joined me at my little booth near the exhibitors at the conference in Vienna to tell me about her history with Benetech, as well as how and why Bookshare experienced its remarkable growth. So my background is that I'm an engineer. I'm an electrical engineer by training. And when I, when I decided to become an engineer, first it was because a math teacher looked at everybody in our class and said, you're the future engineers. I had no idea what that meant <laughs> um, at the time. Um, but that was in my head. But then I always thought, oh, good, then I can do good things in the world. You know, and, and my first thought was actually maybe I would make artificial limbs and design you know, medical kinds of things. Um, and as I went through my studies, it became clear I probably needed to go get some experience in industry and kind of circle in on what I was doing for a while. But I never really forgot that idea that, that technology should make the world better. So, you know, I sort of went through a number of tech kind of companies and almost baby careers and realized that at the same time, my, my father was an entrepreneur. He had, he had a small business, and it was also in my head that at some point I would start a company. So um, I ended up putting those two things together. Uh, it was kind of early days of the Internet. And a friend who was a social worker came to me and said, you know, there's this big problem that social services, it's not easy to find them. And there's, they're in printed books and it gets out of date. So we actually developed the first web-based information and referral service to find social services. So here I was this, I'm going to do a Silicon Valley startup. And what do I do? I do one that, you know, is really not going to make much money, um, but is hopefully going to do good in the world. That's exactly what happened, is it didn't make much money, but it did good in the world. Um, and in fact, Benetech is now doing a whole project in that area. But that, So that kind of got me into it. I went back to another tech startup for a while, and then I said, what am I doing? You know, When am I going to actually do this thing that I want to do, which is help make the world better? So I took some time off. I went and I did some work in Africa, in East Africa, and then you know, kind of started just looking around at this, at 
still this this still burgeoning field of social enterprise and uh, ended up at a conference and met our founder, Jim Fruchterman, and realized, oh, wait, this is the real deal. These people are doing what I keep saying I want to do. They've already, you know, established some really good things. And, and I had come across in that first startup the disability world and, in fact, spoke at the Web Accessibility Initiative kickoff at the World Wide Web Conference um, again, a while back, um, <laughs> as a pretty early one. Uh, but, you know, I sort of had this taste for what accessibility can do. And that was a very clear case to me of where technology can make a huge difference. Everything to do with accessibility and, and making that world more inclusive, you know, is is wonderful field for technology. So the technologist mm -hmm. in me says, ooh, that's a cool problem to go solve. And the person who wants to make the world better is uh, very enchanted by the ability to do that. So tell me about the early days then and, and your progression uh, to this point here. Yeah, so I joined Benetech um, back in early 2009. Um, and started out running our bookshare service that I can explain a little bit more about. And that was at a point where uh, bookshare, which is the largest now, the largest online accessible library in the world, um, was getting there, but it, it wasn't that large at that point. Um, but Benetech had just won um, a competition to provide accessible books to school children in the U.S., so, well, I shouldn't say children, students of all ages in the U.S., and needed to grow. And a lot of what I had done in my tech career was grow, whether it was from a startup to a bigger company or, you know, middle-sized company to a very big company. I had done a lot of managing growth. And so it happened that not only my interests lined up, but my background lined up really well with where Benetech was at the time. So at that time, Bookshare was serving about is between twenty-five and 30,000 users, um, mostly in the U.S. There were, there were a few outside the U.S. Um, and today we have over 700,000 users in 80 countries. Wow. So we have grown. Um, so, yeah, I progressed through uh, running Bookshare, and then we also started doing uh, research and development work around accessible images, graphics, math. So we kind of added that to our portfolio of, you know, access to information sorts of work. And then um, eventually, about five years ago, uh, I became the president and began running all of our programs, which also uh, included then and now a human rights technology program. Hmm. I want to get to those things, uh, but I want to ask you if you can quantify what it is that spurred this growth. Was it technology? Was it what? What was the... If you could, is there a way, any way you could summarize what yeah, it might have been? that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I think the technology is what makes Bookshare different than most of what was out there then, and, and still this is true in many places today, um, because at the time when Bookshare was founded, which is 2002, pretty much everyone else were, were doing audiobooks. So, you know, you have someone come in in front of a microphone and record and read the book and record it. This is still how in many parts of the world, including very popular in Canada, this is how a lot of books are provided. Uh, Benetech's big 
switch in the thinking um, was really around ebooks. Now, in 2002, if I walked up to you and said ebook, most people wouldn't know what I meant because it wasn't really popular then. Um, so, for a number of years, even after I joined uh, in 2009, we had to explain what an ebook was that it was actually digital text. The benefit of that is that one volume. In order to scale, you know, there's only so fast you can have somebody read a book. You can have lots of people read the books and record them. You can now use, you know, an Apple computer and do a pretty good job at home versus a studio. But it still is an individual has to actually read that whole book. Um, with Bookshare, it's all digital text. So now that there are ebooks coming out from publishers, we have 900 plus publishers who give us their books. They're just sending us the digital text the same day they send them to Amazon hmm. or Apple or Google. So that means that really, I, I've had um, adults who are blind who, you know, remember the years of waiting a year for a book that everybody else has been reading and talking about, or they remember themselves scanning it so that they could read it. Um, I've, I've had them in tears because. I'm getting them the book the exact same day that everybody else has a chance to get it and they can be in book clubs and the, you know, so the, the immediacy is just huge. What, um, what motivates publishers to be so, so uh, proactive, so accurate? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a good question. And some of the publishers, you know, I mean, they're very often people go into that field because they, they want the world to be, you know, enriched with literature and so it's, they have a social mission and a social conscience. And I would say, you know, that's extremely true of, of most of the publishers we work with, and particularly some of the early ones, um, just really said this is the right thing to do. Um, there is another side of it, which is uh, Bookshare only serves people with print disabilities. It is legally limited by copyright law around the world to only serve people that either, you know, can't see the book, can't decode the book if they yeah. say have dyslexia or can't hold and manipulate the book so you know we've we've had a it took a lot a long time and a lot of work but we've been able to convince a lot of publishers that you know the people we're serving are not going to go buy your book as it is today now over time right that's changing a bit with technology if you're reading a popular novel and you want to get an audio version you can go buy that, which wasn't true uh, or not as true early on. Um, but th there is still, again, volume, immediacy, um, cost in some cases because we are a library and, and that's how we operate. Um, so, so I think you know, there's a lot of reasons why you know, a lot of the adult users we know, do they have three different sources or four different sources of books. Why not? I have four sources of books. Why shouldn't everybody? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's great. Um, but, you know, so why the growth? I think so part of it is that part of it's the technology that's really allowed us to scale and have a huge collection. Um, but I think, you know, the other the other part of it was is that bit that happened right before I joined, which is uh, we became the main supplier of school books for for students in the United States. And we had then some funding to go and actually do outreach, so not only make our product better, but go and, and market to schools, to teachers, to states around the U.S. and say, you know, here's how this is going to get integrated into your work in school. 
and we, we will put, still today, any U.S. student that qualifies for Bookshare, that's a member, if we don't already have the book and they need it for school, we will put it in. Hmm. So it isn't some of the books, it's all the books. So I think that's really been important. So our largest growth for sure has been, you know, in the U.S. through, you know, through, frankly, government funding, as they do with other kids, making sure that the kids have books in school. That's what they're doing through us. You have relationships with other countries as well, including Canada. Uh, Can you just give me a brief overview of what what that looks like? Yeah. um, So... Shortly after I started, right around when I started, uh, we had just started to make some outreach in India and, and a couple other countries. And we'd often had, you know, individual users from Canada or the UK or other places join Bookshare because we're online. You go to bookshare.org, and if you can show a proof of disability, you can join. In Canada or the US, you could pay $50 a year and read all the books you want, and you're off to the races. But what we've started then doing was, well, let's do this more more seriously with partners. So for us, you know, we, we don't have a, an office in Canada, but what we did is started talking first to CNIB and then CELA as CELA came into existence. And we not only have a large collection, but we are a technology organization based in Silicon Valley. So we've put a lot of work into our platform. You know, where our platform is designed to ingest, convert, and then deliver accessible books. We can manage rights. So as we started getting publisher books, we began having to, of course, say, well, this publisher's book is available in 10 countries. This publisher's book is available in 30 countries. And we can match a user to where, what books they're, they're able to get. Um, so again, part of publishers cooperating with us has been making sure that we're protecting their content. So that's huge. You know, it's it's making sure that we're signing up only people that are qualified. It's making sure that you know, while we're using what's called a social digital rights management system, you know, we aren't locking out devices cuz that would be really hard cuz there are so many accessible devices that would need to access it. But, you know, if we do go look for anybody that's pirating our books and things happen if that happens because it's a social commitment and you know one person doing that could ruin it for 700,000 others which would be a a real shame so 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 we have been doing a lot of that and we do that globally so if I go back to Canada and say um, what we started to do is is realize that because a lot of organizations were mostly doing audiobooks and often doing them on CDs we actually have a online digital distribution system that's really quite advanced and very good for accessible books. So we began talking with CNIB and CELA, and they were looking at, you know, moving to their next platform. So the way that we work with them is literally their platform for providing digital books, not for mailing CDs, but their, their digital book platform is the Bookshare platform. And we allow organizations to private label our system so it doesn't say Bookshare. Um, somewhere down there you can see it. But, <laughs> in the but fine print. In the fine print. <laughs> but it is, uh, yeah, so it's, it's great. And uh, we launched that last year. And, you know, our, our, 
are moving forward, and for us, that's how we're partnering with groups around the world. So we do the same with RNIB in the UK, uh, with Vision Australia in Australia, and we even have some interesting groups that we, you know, we didn't know as well who've come to us, like in the UAE. So the, the Library for the Blind in the UAE runs on Bookshare. That is the voice of Betsy Bowman, CEO at Benetech, a U.S. nonprofit organization supporting people with disabilities through software. At the Zero Project Conference in Vienna in February of 2020, we talked about Bookshare, the global accessible virtual library for people with print disabilities. Let's hear what other plans Betsy and her team are currently working on. And spoiler alert, they're pretty cool. We're tech innovator type people. So, you know, we look and say, okay, we think we've got a pretty good handle on this digital book thing, but what what hasn't been solved? And so we started, I I mentioned the U.S. Department of Education also ended up funding us to do an R&D center that we've been doing for 10 years that's all around images, graphics, math, and we, we do a lot of work on global standards, and we do some you know research into how t- new technologies can be applied. But what's popped out of that are a couple of products that are still really new but really exciting, and one is called MathShare. And MathShare, you, you, you will start to notice a naming convention because the other one is ImageShare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, MathShare is, is a little different than something like BookShare. It's not about distributing math. It's about doing math, because we started working with a bunch of accessible mathematics experts and saying, what are the problems out there, and so to speak? And one of them is, how do you actually do math, If say algebra? How do you do algebra and show your work like your teacher you know, always told you to um, if you're blind? That's an interesting technical problem. <clears throat> it's also a really important one to solve, because I talk to so many people who say, well, I was told I couldn't go be an engineer or I couldn't be a mathematician because that was going to just be, you know, too hard to do because I couldn't get my books. And that's not acceptable. Um, and Or because I couldn't do the math. So, so MathShare is actually a way to have people be able to show their work. Um, we have done work not only with people that are visually impaired, but people with intellectual disabilities, learning disabilities, because there's a lot of areas where people struggle with advanced kind of mathematics. So MathShare is one of those. Um, It is in beta right now, so it's still pretty new. Um, We're finding it's a real inclusion tool because we started showing it to teachers, and they said, I need this for all my students Mm -hmm. because in the U.S. and Canada, you know, a whole lot of students are, are in online learning platforms. So there is no way that any student can show their work. <laughs> and so the teacher has no idea why they can't get the problem right. They just know they had C and not B. Um, so so MathShare is one of them. ImageShare is one that uh, I actually didn't talk about yesterday that is um, a little more like Bookshare in that it's a repository but of accessible images. Hmm. So one of the things we're always pushing for is, you know, if you have a, a picture in a book or a, a, a graph in a book, okay, if all you get with your screen reader or your book reader is image, that's not all that useful. So one of the things that we've done a lot of in the Diagram Center is, is standards around how do you describe images, how do you represent them in different ways, which types of images are important to be in tactile format, etc. So... 
image share is really going around and looking at all the collections around the world in colleges and universities and schools where people have made maybe 2D tactiles or, or 3D printed versions of, say, the heart. So uh, image share has a heart diagram fully described and with tactile options. Wow. And the idea is we want to provide that free so that educators all over the world can actually say, oh, wow, you know, I'm doing biology and I have some blind students, for example, or I have students who just need a description. Great. You could use this accessible image versus an inaccessible image. Um, so th there's some excitement around that with a number of organizations. Groups like the World Bank are, are kind of interested in that means they could internationalize a curriculum that works and have it be inclusive. <laughs> so that's one of the other cool things we're, we're working on. I love, I'd, I love the smile on your face as you're describing yeah. these last two initiatives. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can do, see what excites you. Yeah, okay, fine, you got me. <laughs> I, I am a techie geek, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's so exciting. Imagine being able to just get that, you know, a, a tactile image, you know, as to to help you, you know, feel your way around a heart. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. And well, and, and, you know, research actually shows that most children are tactile learners. Yeah. And, you know, we sort of beat it out of them in school a little bit. Um, so, in fact, again, tactiles can help. I, I wish I had had tactiles when I was studying chemistry and stuff. I, I would have done better in that topic um, <laughs> with a little bit more 3D models and stuff like that. Um, I, you know, I'd say one other initiative that I'm very uh, excited about. I mentioned that we've done work in technology for human rights for a long time as well. But I realized at one point we're doing all this work in services and products for people with disabilities, doing a bunch of stuff in human rights generally. Why aren't we focusing on disability rights? And that's an area when I go around and talk to people at conferences like this one, where you talk about the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. And, you know, I can help somebody with Bookshare if they're in school, but what if they're denied access to school? What mm. if in their country, even though that CRPD is ratified and it's supposed to give them the right to access to education, what if it doesn't? And, you know, you talk to anyone in our field and they kind of go, well, of course it doesn't in a lot of places. Um, okay, how do, we, how do we change that? <laughs> and what I often hear is there's just not enough data. And what we've done in the human rights space for many years is, is provide tools to human rights defenders to collect data and to collect stories, you know, just people's experiences from the ground to, to, to show to people in power that there's a problem here that has to be solved. So we have, we're developing something called Data for Inclusion, and that is... A whole platform, people like to focus on the fact that, you know, you can use an app in the front end, but really the important part to me is that it's a whole platform that could have multiple ways that data gets in and ways that, that disability organizations can share that information and actually pool it together and now, now really raise up the voices of individuals. So you can do surveys, but you can also say, you know, here, have this app, and every time, you know, you face a barrier to your rights note it huh. take a photo of that bus that didn't have a lift for your wheelchair you know take a photo of the train platform that wasn't even that's you know supposed to be you know what what happened when you went to the school and they told you 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 didn't get to go there 
So, you know, they're, they're, part of it is what are your rights? And then the other part is being able to actually document that and then having a place for that to go. Yeah. Um, so that's really one of, our, one of our newest areas that I end up uh, talking a lot about at conferences like this. I don't know how you get all of this done, but wow. Um, <laughs> finally, you are being recognized uh, in a couple of hours' time here um, uh, with, uh, with an award by Zero Project. It's an honor, you know. It's it's an honor to be recognized in you know a global stage, um, and and they've been lovely about it. You know, really saying wonderful things about the work that we do, and you know that that's very gratifying. Um, they are specifically honoring us around Bookshare, um, you know, which again is our very largest thing that we do, and. And I think, you know, someday, hopefully, there will be a reason to honor us for math share. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but for now, uh, it's, it's primarily around book share and that work. Great. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for your time. Congratulations on all this. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. That is the voice of Betsy Bowman, CEO at Benetech, a U.S. nonprofit organization supporting people with disabilities through software. We spoke at the Zero Project Conference in Vienna in February of 2020. You may have picked up on her enthusiasm over the latest products she and her team are working on, and it is that enthusiasm that engulfed all 800 or so of us at the event. You can't help but get caught up in it. What's better than actually solving a problem and making a difference for thousands of people around the world? You can get more info at Zero Project at their terrific website, zeroproject.org. If you select 2020 Conference, you can read up on the stories behind all 86 award recipients, including Benetech. More of my related interviews are available at AMI-audio live. I'm Andy Frank. Thank you very much for listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. 
Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.